Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. So today's sermon has been put on my heart um, is from the, God, from the uh, prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29. It, it has and has continues to be seeing me through times of trials of life. Been, I've been through a few of them with the Lord these past 34 years of my walk. And it's something that's not pleasant as you're going through them. But I have learned that God has a purpose in every single one of them. And sometimes it takes us a while to see that purpose because we're very short-sighted individuals. But he does. He does. And our God is good. So let me read from Jeremiah 29, 1 through 23. I think I point this way. Ah. No, I went backwards. Okay. I've been known for like, I have to learn to do bigger font. Anyway, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother and the eunuchs and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent in the hand of Elisha, the son of Sarphon, and Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And it said, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live together in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons, take wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to Lord on its behalf for it is the welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they have dreamed for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are complete in Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare, they're not for evil, and they give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. 
you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Change. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore you your fortunes and gather to you all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place which I sent you in exile. Because you have said, the Lord has raised up the prophets for us in Babylon. Thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David and concerning all the people who dwell in this city. Your kinsmen and who, do not go out, who did not go out in exile, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I am sending on them sword, famine, and pestilence, and I will make them like the figs that are so rotten they cannot be eaten. And I will pursue them with sword, famine, and pestilence and make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth to be a curse, a terror, a hissing, and reproach among the nations where I have driven them because they did not pay attention to my words. That is persistently sent to you by my servants, the prophets, but they would not listen, declare the Lord. Hear the Lord, all you exiles who I sent to Jerusalem from Babylon to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, according Ahab, the son of Akoniah, and Zedekiah, the son of Manasseh, you are prophesying a lie to you. Behold, I will deliver them into your hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall strike them down before your eyes. Because of them, this curse shall be used for all the exiles. The Lord shall make you like Zedekiah and Arab, who were the king of Babylon, roasted on the fire, because they have done an outrageous thing to Israel. They have committed adultery and their neighbors' wives, and they have spoken in my name lying words that I have not commanded them. I am the one who knows, and I am witness, declares the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, gracious God, guide my thoughts that you have put on my heart these past months to share something that you have used in my life these many years, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that uh, it would be a blessing for those who hear at this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Excuse me. <laughs> okay. So today's text is a letter to the exiles of Judah who are in Babylon. <laughs> These... These are the words of a letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent to Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles <coughs> and priests and prophets and all the people who are in Nebuchadnezzar had taken an exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. <coughs> this was after Jeconiah and the queen, mother and the eunuchs and the officials in Judah, Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem 
the letter that was sent to the hand of Elisha, the seraphon, and Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, and Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Excuse me. <laughs> Should have taken coffee. <laughs> so this gives us our context. The letter is from Jeremiah the prophet who was writing to the exiles in Babylon. Babylon was conquered by Jerusalem fully and finally in 586 B.C., destroying the temple, carrying the vast majority of Judahites into exile. Yet, this was not the first time Nebuchadnezzar had besieged Jerusalem and captured its residents. He first attacked Jerusalem in 604 B.C., during the reign of Jehoiakim, <coughs> and forced Judah to pay tribute. Nebuchadnezzar had also took the prophet Daniel and many of the promising young people of Judah to serve him in Babylon. After three years of servitude, Jehoiakim rebelled, but military campaigns elsewhere delayed Nebuchadnezzar's response by the time he got to Jerusalem in 597 B.C., Jehoiakim was dead. Jehoiachin sat on the throne. Jehoiachin, who was also known as Jeconiah, I'm glad we don't name our kids these things anymore, placed him under Babylon's yoke. That time, Nebuchadnezzar took virtually every skilled and educated person from Judah including Jehoiachin, and put Zedekiah on the throne. <coughs> Those exiled included Kish, the forefather of Esther's cousin Mordecai, and the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who have been sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat the produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give daughters in marriage that they should bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. <coughs> Excuse me. But seek the welfare of the city who have been sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare. You will find your welfare. <coughs> Excuse me. Since they were there to stay a while, Jeremiah instructs them to build their lives, to raise their families, to multiply them. They were to pray for Babylon where they were being held in exile for its welfare because its welfare will affect their welfare. So he's telling them, you're staying for a while. You know, don't think you're coming home tomorrow. You're going to be there. Anyway, is there any tissues around here? I'm sorry. But thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to their dreams. Thank you kindly. 
For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. There were false prophets, such as Hananiah, who was mentioned in chapter 27, the preceding chapter, that prophesied the exile would be short. Jeremiah tells the exiles not to listen to them, that the people to settle down, they are going to be there a while. In chapter 25, the prophecy for Jeremiah was that they would be there for 70 years. For thus says the Lord, thank you. When when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and will fulfill my promise and give you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare, not for evil, and to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, and I will bring you back from the place where you are sent into exile. After 70 years of exile, 70 years of being separated from their homeland, God had a plan for his chosen people. He restored their fortunes, gathered them from the places they were exiled to, that they would hear, that he would hear their prayers. Kind of similar to when the people of Israel in Egypt, much longer than I was a few hundred years, 700, I think. But God heard their prayers. But he, you know, there was a reason for what he did then, as now he, in this, what we're looking at today, and what he does in our own lives, because he always has a plan. It may not be our plan, but he, only ha- he doesn't have plan B's or C's or D's. He has one plan for each and every one of us. The next verses focus on those who remained in Jerusalem, who may have thought they were the ones being blessed, that they didn't get taken into captivity. But they are not. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Because you have said the Lord has raised up prophets for us in in Babylon, thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David. That is Zedekiah who was left there by Nebuchadnezzar, who was probably a yes man for the king of Babylon. That's just my thinking you know, the way Nebuchadnezzar worked. 
And concerning all the people who dwell in the city, your kinsmen who did not go out with you into exile, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am sending them sword, famine, and pestilence, and I will make them like the vile figs who are so rotten they cannot be eaten. And I will pursue them with sword, famine, and pestilence, and make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth to be cursed a terror, a hissing, a reproach among the nations where I have driven them to. They did not pay attention to my words, declares the Lord, and that I have persistently sent to you by my servants, the prophets, but you would not listen to them, declares the Lord. In contrast, the exiles who remain in Jerusalem will face swords, famine. They, will have, they are the bad figs, which are first mentioned in chapter 24 in Jeremiah. <coughs> in chapter 24, Jeremiah had the vision of the good figs and the bad figs. Jeconiah, the son of Jechakim, king of Judah, together with the officials of Judah and craftsmen and metal workers, that brought them to Babylon. The Lord showed me this vision. Behold, two baskets of figs placed in before the temple of the Lord. One basket had very good figs, like first ripe figs. But the other basket had very bad figs, so bad that they could not be eaten. And the Lord said to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, Figs, the good figs, very good. Bad figs, very bad. So bad they cannot be eaten. Then the Lord came to me. Then, then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Like these good figs, I will regard the good exiles from Judah, whom I have sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. I will set my eyes for them for good. I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people. And I will be their God. For they shall return to me with the whole, their whole heart. But thus says the Lord, those are the, the bad figs are so bad they cannot be eaten, so I will treat Zedekiah, the king of Judah, his officials, and the remnant of Jerusalem who remain in this land and who have dwelled in the land of Egypt. I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms on earth to be a reproach, a byword, a taunt, a curse of all places where I shall drive them from the land that I have given them from their fathers. Then God addresses the exiles again about false prophets. Hear the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles whom I sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts concerning Ahab, the son of Kaliah and Zedekiah, son of Manasseh, whom are prophesying to a lie in my name. 
Behold, I will deliver them in the hand of Nebuchadnezzar the king, and he will strike them down before your eyes. Because of them, this curse shall be used on all exiles from Judah and Babylon. The king, the Lord has made Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted on the fire, because they have done an outrageous thing in Israel and have committed adultery with their neighbors' wives, and they have spoken in my house lying words that I did not command them. I am the one who knows, and I am witness, declares the Lord. It is important not to listen to false prophets, to gauge them what they are being said by the word of God. And woe to those who are false prophets. That's why it's a big responsibility, whoever stands in front of you and preaches the word. Because we are held to a standard that is higher, as well should be. And it's not something that I take lightly. You know, some of the pastors say, you know, how long does it take you to do a, prepare a sermon? Ah, usually a couple of months. <laughs> um, you know, I work a full-time job like many of you. And, you know, and I, when I get the assignment, I take heed and try to do my very best to do, make sure I am sharing to you what is according to God's word, not contrary to God's word. Because... Trust me, there are many out there who are, say they're proclaiming the word of God, but they're giving a false gospel uh, message. Anyhow, I want to focus now on what I call the core of chapter 29, something that has been very dear to my heart. <coughs> For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare and not for evil. I give you hope for a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God always had and has a plan for his chosen from Abraham to Moses to David to the 12 apostles to the church born by the sacrifice of Jesus and that, oh, how special resurrection. Today, my brothers and sisters, we are God's chosen. He has made us saints through the sacrifice and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. His plan has been laid down for each and every one of us since the foundation of the world. He knew. He knew I needed Jesus. He knew you needed Jesus. That not one of us can be righteous on our own works. We needed Jesus. Amen? But that's why when Christ says, in the Gospels, that he has come for the sinners and not for the righteous. The righteous were righteous in their own eyes. 
They weren't truly righteous because it takes Jesus to become righteous because everything we do is filthy rags. This verse was given to me by a sister in law when about 15 years ago when I began my battle with cancer. It was the most difficult year of my life. At first, they were bracing us for the worst because I had a melanoma cancer on the top of my head. And they were afraid, judging by the size of it, that it had spread. But praise God, it had not spread. But at that time, there was only one treatment they recommended afterwards because they weren't sure they had it all. They wanted to make sure everything was gone. So I went through interferon treatment. For those of you not familiar with interferon, it was a month of intravenous, and then I would have to take booster shots for nine more months. It was kind of like walking around with the flu for almost a year. You know, this was the treatment. By the way, they don't do that anymore. But he had reasons for that too. So I came out of that cancer-free. But more importantly, I came through it with a greater reliance on the Lord. I mean, there was one time I was sitting there because they kept testing me to make sure the cancer had not spread elsewhere. They had suspicious areas they were testing me for. And I guess I was getting... Uh, a sonic test at the hospital and they were testing one area and I said, oh, the doctor wants us to check one area on your foot. I didn't hear anything about this. And I remember sitting there with tears in my eyes. I can't do this, Lord. Help me. And from that point forward, I felt his help. Not that I don't stumble on my foot every now and then, even today. But, you know, I've learned you need to be reliant on the Lord in all things, you know, because we cannot do it on our own. On our own, we just make a mess of things. Anyway, so God uses these trials we face to strip away our reliance on ourselves and replace it with what last his reliance. This is from Malachi 3, 2 to 3. He is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. He who sits as a refiner and a purifier of silver, he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings to the in righteousness to the Lord. I have learned over my 35 years as one of God's chosen that there is a difference between our perspective and God's perspective. We are short-sighted, live within our box of existence, our senses, what we can see, touch, feel, even learn. But we live in a box, nevertheless, God's vision is always long-term. His perspective is the one that lasts and is eternal. He uses trials in my life to bring me closer to him and more Christ-like as he molded me 
he also used those trials that I would have empathy to others who go for similar trials. I've experienced cancer, joblessness, being sterile, going through adoption twice, child raising, death of loved ones, broken relationships, all these he used in my life and brought me through them where I am today. The ultimate of God's plans are about his glory. That is why he created all of creation. It's not about us. It's about him. This is why he planned and implemented the plan of salvation. Some verses from the New Testament defer to explain this. Using the New American Standard Version at this point, a preference for me. Romans 8, 28 to 30. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to become. Become what? Conform to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. In causing all these things to work together for his good, for those who love God, according to his purpose, to be conformed to the image of his son Jesus, God's plan for good things for his chosen, his saints. Do you know you're a saint? Did you know that every one of you are a saint? You ever been called that? It's not because of yourself, but it's because of Jesus. That's why Paul writes his letters to the saints of Ephesus, the saints of Colossia, it's not just a small, it's to the church as a whole. When you are part of the church, you are a saint. So he's called us, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to be more like Jesus, to be conformed into the image of Jesus. We are all works in progress. That's why in Malachi, you know, he talks about us being refined the impurities are being taken out of us bit by bit. And you know what? how a refiner goes? It heats up, a tense heat. And then they skim the impurities out. And then they do it again. And then they do it again until a perfect image of the one whose creation is being made can be seen in the gold and the silver. We are going to have the image of Christ being reflected in us. That's why we get purified. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God of our Father in Jesus Christ who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. He loves us. We are blameless before him. 
Our sins are not remembered, not because of what we've done, because of what Jesus did. And that's the wonderful thing about it. It's not up to us, but we should be thankful in striving with being what he has set us out to be. We need to keep in mind the purpose of our creation and the creation and all creation is the glory of God. The long view is eternal. Our hope is in the eternal things. I have lived on this earth more years than I have left. You know, I used to say so that to some younger folks and they say, oh, oh, you have many more years to go. I said, I'm not going to live 65 more years. I can pretty much guarantee you that I'm not going to make it to 130. Lord willing, I will make it to my 50th anniversary with my bride. But, you know, even that's 17 years forward. But the long view is eternal. Our hope is eternal. Eternity with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is before us. That is our hope that lies ahead of us, awaiting to go into our promised land. Our citizenship is heavenly now. King, our king is Jesus. We are merely sojourners here for all Jesus. We are all Jesus ambassadors. You know, in our political climate of these days, you know, who are you for? I said, the only one that's going to fix this country, this world, is Jesus, period. Everybody else comes way short. And that's what we're supposed to pray for our leaders, yes. You pray for those in authority over us, yes. But our hope is in Jesus. We are ambassadors, and there's nothing better than that. So don't get me wrong. We, I do cherish that God has placed me in a time and a place with the family and fellow saints that are still here with us and those who have gone with before us knowing that we are sojourners here, that God has our eternal good plan for us. Eternal, he has that. He has that. So here's some takeaways from today's message. And I, now, we should be in prayer for where we are, our country, our state, our town, the places where we work, our neighbors' prosperity and well-being. And that we will be beacons of God's love and good news of the Redeemer and reconciliation available to all who would believe in Jesus. So that, that's one thing we should be, because you know, as Jeremiah said in the beginning, pray for the place I'm sending you to. For its welfare, because its welfare will be your welfare. So we should be in prayer. We take our lives, that our lives will reflect God's love as we become more and more Christ-like, being the ambassadors where we are. Yes, you're going to have to go through refining. Yes, I am going to still have to have refining. He's not done with me yet. I mean, if Paul, the apostle, when he was writing his letters, felt he had not arrived, 
Well, I certainly haven't arrived yet to to the fullness that God wants me to be. So it's coming, but he'll see you through it. And he has a plan to see you through it. Now, we should be active daily of being in the Word, always in prayer and being encouragers and helpers to each other as we grow together into the image of Jesus. We're in it together, all of us. We need to go through it together. There's nothing that, I mean, God sent many people to me as I was going through stuff. And it was always the right person at the right time. Trust and obey, for there is no other way. Old song. That was one of the songs I wanted, but Tim chose the other one, which is fine. Trust and obey. Trust in him. No matter what you're going through, trust in him. And seek to obey what's in his word. And the only way you're going to know what's in how to obey is by being in the word. And lastly, as we go through trials, remember what God has done for you in the past. John Piper's book, Future Grace, talks like God has granted us grace each day as we go through stuff. Well, we can look back at the grace that he has given us as we go And we can be rest assured we'll get the grace that we need that day for what we are going through. Um, Remember that. Because God... So... And also seek yourselves to help out brothers and sisters in the Lord. When you hear someone going through stuff, come alongside if you can. You know... There's nothing better. Once again, I'll close with that central verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you, and you seek me and and find me when you seek me with all of our hearts. Always has been, always will be about what's in our hearts. Let us pray. Lord God, help us always to realize that you are in control. Nothing happens outside your plan. That we can trust you in all things, big and small. You are the potter, we are the clay. May we all remember that you are shaping us more to be like Christ day by day. Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.